like to ask about, particularly in relationship to um, uh, things I was saying this morning so far. Yeah, and if uh, if um, uh, people can wait to, when they have a question to wait till the uh, the wandering microphone shows up, so then uh, everyone can hear. Could you please comment on how to maintain intention for a good result uh, without becoming? It seems like the curse of the householder with a profession that our results depend upon our intentions. Yes, well, this is um, the, the crux of the whole thing. So, good question. Um, Uh, what there's a th- there's a mysterious um, uh, and uh, ironic relationship between uh, like it, like in medicine the the you have often the, the the cause of a disease and the cure of it are very closely related um, and so that the uh, the the particularly um, effective uh, medicine for some kind of uh, illness is often derived from some of the same bacteria that, that, that has caused the illness in the first place. There's any, any kind of inoculation. So it's very similar in, in, in Buddha Dharma in this way because just as bhava or becoming is the, is the ailment, if you like, the, the, uh, the medicine, the treatment is bhavana or meditation. And bhava and bhavana, they're not just happen to have a spelling that's similar with each other. Like bhavana is just bhava with an N-A on the end. Um, but they, they bear a, a close relationship to each other because bhavana means to cultivate or to develop or to work uh, as, uh, as well as having the broader meaning of meditation. And uh, so when you look at the quality of becoming and that, that you know, uh, aspect of being caught in a in a uh, flow of activity or compulsive activity that produces more stress, um, that can look very, very similar to just uh, going about our work. But um, when you look at the, the qualities of right effort, like say in the Eightfold Path, the, uh, the, the Buddha defined right effort in, in a very in- interesting way because it's, that's one of the the eight aspects of the Eightfold Path is samavayamo, right effort. And it, so in a way it's understanding what is right effort. How can we work? How can we act and do and, and use intention, direct our activities um, in a way that is going to be uh, harmonious and is going to lead to reducing dukkha, <laughs> suffering, mm-hmm. than, instead of increasing it. So... Um, Right intention itself, the, uh, under the, the, that heading, is the is the second aspect of the path, samasankapo. Uh, um, but in a way, it's more um, carefully or precisely explained under uh, under the one of the later categories, right effort. So how we intend, how we set a direction, and then how we act on that. So, um, in terms of right effort. 
classically, this has four different uh, parts. Uh, so there's the um, restraining of the unwholesome from arising. Or if the unwholesome has arisen, secondly, the letting go of it. There's the cultivation of the wholesome. And when the wholesome has been cultivated, then uh, maintaining it in being. So uh, uh, restraining, abandoning, cultivating, maintaining. Sangvara, pahana, bhavana, anurakana. So those can seem a lot like the desire to get rid of, like if it's unwholesome, or the desire to become, if it's wholesome. But the key difference, is that one, one that makes the one bhava and produces struggle and difficulty, it, uh, and the other bhavana, which makes it meditation and the, the solution, the key difference is the, the self element. That bhava becoming always has some kind of subtle or very coarse quality of I, me, and mine woven into it. That's the key ingredient. That's the thing that you pick up when you, when you, when you sniff it in the air. It's like, oh, it's me. <laughs> me doing, me working, me getting rid of, me accomplishing, me becoming something, me making a name for myself, me having my name destroyed, you know, me losing my reputation, me gaining a reputation. It's me, 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 me. <laughs> That's the key piece. And so the, uh, the, uh, the aspect of right effort then is learning how to cultivate the wholesome, maintain the wholesome in being, restrain the unwholesome, and, or let go of the unwholesome, um, without that self element entering in. Like me becoming concentrated me becoming wise, me becoming a better person, me becoming loving and kind and, and, and uh, more expansive. Just in, the, in the, the walking meditation, someone came and asked a question. He said, well, I want to be, you know, I'm practicing loving kindness meditation to, be, be, to become more loving and open. Um, or to, to, that's the intention, which is great. But what we find is the more that it's me who wants to become loving and open, then the more that, that very effort gets in the way. So in terms of, of, of everyday life and work and activity, then what is most helpful is the quality of reflection, like what, what they call wise consideration, where you're bringing the wisdom faculty to bear on the, your, uh, your work or your, your intentions, your wishes, your, and say, well, what's, what's behind this? Or, or um, why is this interesting? Or what's the best way of going about this? Or what am I looking to get out of this? And using that quality of exploring and examining uh, uh, to, to, to kind of open it up and to, to see what our intentions are and what's, what's driving a particular interest in this or an aversion to that or a motivation to engage in such and such. And then through that investigation, opening things up, then wherever there's, there's a notice, wherever we notice that, oh, well, I'm really interested in that because that'll make me look really good or that will uh, enable um, me to help get my kids through college or whatever it might be. It might be a selfish intent. It might be a very noble intent. But we're not going to know unless we open it up and look. And then... And oftentimes, rather like with the meditation, when I was, when, when I was trying to guide, with, when you notice, uh, say, that the mind has wandered off or has grabbed something, before you try and do anything, if you just let yourself feel that, right, then what you, what you experience, what I, what I experience is like, 
wow, this is really uncomfortable. And then following on from that is like, well, why would I want to do this to myself? Because we realize it's something that we're doing. So similarly with intentions, if we see like, well, I only want to do that because it's going to score me a lot of points. You know, I actually, I don't really want to help these people. It's only because I want that to look good on my resume. And as soon as we see that, we go, oh dear. <laughs> we don't have to say I shouldn't do it because something is already, you know, our own better nature is, is starting to recoil from that. So that uh, so much of finding a, and, and cultivating a good intention, a skillful intention, is to do with, with that seeing and, and recognizing what's behind that. And then whenever we see a self-centered element, like a, a, then to take that as a signal to, to do our best to let go of that. Yeah, the fellow in the second row there. Thank you for the opportunity to ask a question. I, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering about anger and liking and wanting. Uh, in, even in the words, I, I don't like this already that seed there of anger. <laughs> and, uh, and it's so, I, I find that that bridge is almost crossed already when, when <laughs> you say, I don't like. So I wonder what, if you can perhaps help me understand what's going on there and what, what would be a way to work with that in the context of anger? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, good question. Um, well, one, uh, one way that springs to mind is uh, since we're about to have our, our lunch period <laughs> is to, and uh, people have brought many things to share, is to find some uh, um, amongst the food that's been brought not by yourself, but by somebody else, some, some kind of food that you don't like. Um, because it is a, it's, what you're trying to do is you're trying to be honest. Where the aim is to be honest with our own experience, but not getting lost in our own experience. So if you put something into your mouth that you don't like the taste of, or which say that if you don't like bitter flavors. So just to experiment and put, put some food in your mouth that, um, say, has a bitter taste. And just to see if you can uh, let that simply be the taste. Like, this is a bitter taste. You're not, you're not trying to pretend it's sweet. <laughs> it's bitter. And recognizing, well, I can, I can taste this bitter flavor. I don't have to spit it out. I don't have to complain about, you know, what idiot brought this dreadful stuff? <laughs> How can they bring this kind of poison to a potluck? You can see, well, actually, it's just a bitter taste. And, and taking something that's fairly neutral, not emotionally loaded like that, and also something that you've deliberately picked up, even though I've encouraged you to. <laughs> but you've made that choice yourself. That, okay, I'm choosing to taste this. Now, so how is this? I say, oh, it's bitter. So it's like, yeah, this is foul. I really don't like this. But then, but then in that, there's also recognize that, yeah, but the, I don't have to spit it out. I can just be with this, this, this taste, sensation, and know this. This is a bitter taste. And, that there's the, and within that, I would, I would suggest that what you'll find is, that, oh, look at that. 
there is a gap there between the taste and then the reaction to it. When it's things that are more charged or emotionally loaded, and when we, when we think, I don't like, then we might think, I don't like this person, or I don't like those politics, or I don't like, and that the, the bridge seems a lot shorter. <laughs> but things that are not so emotionally charged or have a historical value, um, and you might find it very difficult to find some kind of food that you don't like. <laughs> but uh, just that kind of experiment or taking some sort of neutral or, or less loaded object, that's a, a good way of, of looking at it. Also something like, say, discomfort in your body. If you, when you're sitting, if you, if you feel a, a, like a, a tension in one of your joints or a, or a pressure in the body, and, and it's, it's unpleasant. But you, you, you can also find that you can bring your attention to that and just let yourself know that unpleasant feeling, that kind of crumple in, your, in the cloth of your, your trousers or your the, 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 you know, tweak in your back. and think, yeah, That's not pleasant. But there's no, the, 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 the turning of the mind into to an angry reaction, you can just recognize that's a completely extra quality. It's what the Buddha called the second arrow. The first arrow is like that feeling of pain or the bitter taste. No one can dodge the first arrow, not even the, the Buddha could dodge the first arrow. So the second arrow is, uh, if, we're, if, we're, if we're smart, then we, do, we can dodge it, which is the, the suffering and the reactivity the mind creates around that feeling. One at the back there. Yeah. Uh, you said something earlier, which I found intriguing. Um, I believe you were talking about meditating and paying attention to the breath without trying. Mm -hmm. And you said it's, it doesn't make sense in English. And so um, it made me surmise, and I could be wrong, that there was some other language that you know that it made more sense in. So I was wondering <laughs> if you could tell us more about that and what we might learn from it. And then if it happens to be Thai, I'd love to hear what it happens to be. <laughs> if, or if Thai happens to be one of the languages where it makes more sense, then uh, that might be helpful. I liked your... Yeah. Uh, well, in Thai, the way you'd say it would be something like, uh, and you just means to be, pre to be present with, there together with. Like, um, today we are here at Spirit Rock. We are, we are at this place. So being present with the breath. And so that, that in English, that, that quality of efforting or trying. Because even when you say right effort, it almost sounds like an oxymoron. <laughs> that work is somehow intrinsically um, burdensome. In Thai, the word for work is the same as the word for a party. Nan or a fair. <laughs> they have a they have a very Dharmic language, yeah. Nan. Okay, any other questions? I have one. Yeah. Well, I have a, a question and something I also notice. It seems that 
monks are, or, or yourself are very relaxed in this, with themselves and in the state that they are. And it seems like in a world we live in out there, it seems like constantly living in the world of judgment and materialism and trying and trying to let that go and not worry about the judgment of others seems like you may offend somebody, like you don't care that you may offend somebody. So I wonder if you might have a good answer about trying not to live or not living in the world of judgment of others. <laughs> for for, for a, uh, an example, like let's say if you were to go sit in, where, in the city that I live in on the street, you would very well be noticed and possibly judged, but it seems like your aura would be relaxed and not receiving that judgment. I would like to live like that also. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a supply of these. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's a good point, though, that um, sometimes we feel like we're not being responsible if we're not fretting. Right. Yeah. You know, or if someone's upset and you don't get upset too then their reaction is, don't you care? It's like, yes, I care, I'm just not getting upset. Yeah, and, and we don't really have a place for that in, in our, culturally. It's, it's very hard to, to, to find a, a way of, uh, of being, that we almost see, feel like we're being like holier than thou or, or alienated or just somehow remote from others if we're not swept up in their mood or reacting against it. Um, so it takes a great deal of in a way, self-reliance, uh, kind of self-assurance. Um, I, I, one story I often tell is um, how when, when I first went to Thailand, I, I was a, uh, when I was a kid, like as a teenager, I was very, uh, very concerned about the suffering of, of uh, beings in the world. And, that, um, and so there would be this feeling of... Um, uh, of never being able to do enough to help others. And I really anguished a lot over this as a kid. And, and like, how can you help the world? How can you help everybody? You know, and all these creatures suffering and dying. And, and, uh, and you can never do enough. You can never do enough. And, and uh, you know, very idealistic and, and well-intended in some ways, but uh, always leaving me with this feeling of, of insufficiency or, or failure. And then when I went to Thailand, it was very early on in the time I was there. And, and in that part of Thailand, very, not that many people spoke English. But occasionally there'd be visitors from Bangkok, more kind of cosmopolitan Thais, who had uh, uh, learned a bit of the English language so I could understand them. And I remember this one fellow coming to, to visit. And somehow this, this conversation came up and, and uh, I was sort of... Uh, around for some reason. I think it was like in the middle of the day and all the other monks had gone back to the, their cabins and I was just happened to be around the main hall when this fellow showed up. Anyway, he, uh, we were talking about um, uh, helping others and, and that whole issue and, and he said, well, you know, I do what I can do, uh, but what I can't do, I, I, uh, I don't suffer about. And, and this, the expression on his face was like, this is completely normal. This is not an outrageously peculiar statement. But what I, the, the internal experience I had was trying to find a pigeonhole. Like, wh where do I put that? 
and I like it was almost like uh, uh, like a, a a visual hallucination. I mean, not exactly hallucination, but like I could see myself inside. Like, <laughs> where's the slot for that? Because it, you know, because I, I'd only ever experienced that feeling of, well, if if he's suffering, and I can't help him. Um, then I've failed, of course, duh. And what, what this other fellow was saying was, um, if he's suffering and I can't help him, well, I'm not glad that he's suffering, but well, I, there's no point having two suffering beings. <laughs> so um, what, what, can I, you know, what can I do? So I've done what I can, what I can't do, I don't worry about. And there was this feeling like within me, of like, oh. Oh, there's this whole other dimension. That I, it's like a whole continent that I never knew existed. It left off most of the maps of the world. It's like a whole new continent. But you can't just will that into existence in yourself. That kind of vision. <laughs> it's uh, in, the, in the land of instant gratification. Even, <laughs> even here, they cannot, we, we can't provide that. But... Just knowing that that's a possibility. And then also, just as you describe, I mean, the thing is that the very fact that you can articulate that experience that you were describing in your question, the very fact you know that that's a thing, that there is a way that you're swept up in the moods of others, or that you feel that you're somehow being looked at as being holier than thou or alienated, the very fact that you notice that and you articulate it means that you know that inside you there's a place that is actually knows that that's an aberration, right? So it's a matter of getting back, <laughs> following back where the, question, the, the, the route that the question followed to come out, follow that back to where it came from, and you'll find that, that place where, okay, so-and-so is upset, and, you know, and, and um, well, it, I don't experience it as a big issue, but they do, so I, I, I care for them, but I, I'm not going to get excited about, or upset about it. And it's not because I don't care, even if there's someone's looking in your, in, you know, looking you in the face or yelling in you, <laughs> to you in the face, like, you don't care, you're not upset. It's like, well, I understand that you are, but <laughs> and not trying to be supercilious or, or, or like, ever so clever, but just from a sincere place. You, 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 the, you, we know what that is, so it's a matter of finding that and trust, and just letting ourselves trust that. It's not easy to do because oftentimes those situations are very sort of energetically engaging. It's not just the words. Yeah. It's just that sort of <laughs> the tide of, of sheer energy that hits us. And uh, so sometimes to just accommodate that is, is difficult. But the more that we see that, the more that, we're, that, that it's something that we're doing, and the more we just say, I don't have to follow this. I don't have to shut my heart down, but I don't have to follow this. Okay. And then, you know, like, like, like learning a language or learning to ride a bicycle or whatever. Just, we just get it for a moment, a fraction of a second here and there and here and there, just a few words, a few syllables here and there, and then slowly it becomes, oh, right, now I managed to do that last time. Okay, oh, right, we did it again, great. Okay, that's twice in a week, well done. <laughs> and then slowly we, we get the habit. So then, you know, and also I've been a monk for 30 years, so I get used to looking like this. <laughs> You forget that you look weird sometimes. And yeah. You're around some town and they, they think, 
why is everybody in Minneapolis looking at me like this? <laughs> oh yeah, right, I'm a guy with a shaved head wearing a brown sheet, that's why. Okay. <laughs> Slip my mind. <laughs> but also, there's a sense of the more, in a way, it goes back to that, the, 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 I was talking to the, the, the fellow with the blue shirt about, it's the self-sense. The more that we learn to not see our life based on a sense of self, the more, then I don't have any, anything to defend or anything that's going to get uh, attacked or, or that I have to promote or that I, I, I want other people to see in a particular way. The more I want you to see me in a certain way, the more suffering that we create. If I don't care whether you think, uh, any, you know, whether you think that I'm too English or not English enough, or I'm too tall or too short, or too, too, uh, too clever by half, or not smart enough, or too traditionalist, or too, <laughs> too liberal. Yeah, if I care, I, I want you to see me in a very, very certain, in a particular way, then the, you know, there's more suffering all around. But as long as I just, and I, I've, I've certainly seen this over the years, the more that there's a, just a, like a trusting to just do what I do and let the world make of it what it will. And the more that you can do that, not because you don't care, you care, but you're not trying to control or you're not having a vested interest in being seen in a particular way as wise or friendly or attractive or unattractive or, you know, whatever. Just let people make of it what they will. Then there's a, a, a self-reliance and an ease that you, you discover. Again, not available on eBay. <laughs> Yeah. Well, all that's well and good. Uh, that's easy for you to say because you're not a householder. <laughs> Correct. What if, I'm not saying that to be cocky, but what if um, you feel that your survival is based somewhat on somebody else's perception of you? Then what? Um, well, in a, in a sense, that's um, that's the case because you think I'm a monk, <laughs> so I show up with my arms bowl, and, and I I only get to eat because people think I'm a monk. So I better do I better play the part well, not to be. Sounding cocky. <laughs> and so, so that, um, yeah, we, we in, in the, in the hu human world, in our lives, we necessarily perform different roles. You know, we, we put on different masks. Different, actually, the word persona means mask. Per means through. Sona is the sound. It's like what well, the sound goes through. So it's the the Latin word for, for mask, our person is. So we naturally put on lots of different masks. So that I'm sure you put on the mask of somebody, you're somebody's daughter, you're somebody's co-worker, you're somebody's boss or somebody's uh, employee, you know, you're somebody's sort of fellow uh, user of Highway 101, you know. 
we all exist in relationship to other people in all sorts of different roles. We put on different masks. So to my sisters, <laughs> the monk thing is kind of I insignificant. <laughs> because basically, I'm their little brother. And I might have been a monk for 30 years, but to them, that's... <laughs> they don't see the rope. So, uh, so with them, I don't... I mean, I wear my robes, but I don't, I don't play the monk. I don't expect my sisters to bow to me three times every morning. <laughs> so we, we, what, I, and what, I'm, what I'm saying that for is that we, we put on and take off various different roles, different personae during the course of a day, oftentimes dozens of times during a day. You know, being the, the boss, being the, the, the employee, being the mother, being the child, being the friend, being the, the counselor. We, we change those all the time. So when, we, when there's a role that we need to have, be projecting a certain image, like, listen, I'm the boss. <laughs> and we need to be firm and be kind of leading in a, a very directed way, then we can do that. If we need to be very gentle and and uh, we are playing a, a, a much more, um, say, conciliatory or, or receptive role, then we, then we do that. So that if you're, um, you know, if you're in business and you're having to, say, be a CEO, then you, know, you wear your uniform, just like, and you do your piece in that role. But if then you go home, you've got to be a CEO at home, <laughs> you know, or with your mother, you know, then, then the trouble begins, because you've got, you got to... It's like you're putting on the role, but you're not being able to take it off again. So if I think that I'm you know, a, an absolute monk, then if I'm with my sisters, then it's misery. If I want them to see me in this role and, and relate to that, then it's misery for everyone. So um, putting on a role and, and engaging in that fully it is, a, is a lot of, of learning how to live skillfully as a human. You're doing your doing your part to, um, to fulfill a particular function. Like if you're running a company, then it's important that people see you in a certain way. You know, if you're running a university department or you're teaching, in, in, then it's important that the, the students see you in a certain way or the department, uh, other department workers see you in a certain way in order for the job to get done. So that the, the problems come when you are taking that seriously. <laughs> You think it actually means something. <laughs> if you think that you really do have a Nobel Prize, or that you really are the head of the department, or that, the, that you are the boss, you are in control of this company, then you're in deep shtuk, as they say, on <laughs> my side of the, on the English side of the pond. You know, you've, so that it's a, and it's not, it's not hypocrisy to put on a role, it's just... In, engaging in a skillful means to carry out a particular function. Yeah, there's another question. One last one, then we'll... Yeah, you. Hello. Hello. Um, my question is, uh, in relationship to you're talking about relations and people and society, um, and as a monk, I know you don't engage in a intimate relationship where a lot of feelings and emotions do come up mm -hmm. and trying to stay grounded and practice your you know mindfulness becomes very challenging when you're intertwined with another being in that way and so how do you know folks who are not monks 
be able to stay grounded and um, be able to be yourself and not carry out a persona or a mask and be understanding of someone else's feelings without being insensitive. Um, how do you function or have <laughs> suggestions for that function? <laughs> yeah, a very good question. Um, well, it's the, the monastic role is really just a, a, a simplification of life, just as you were describing. And, and it certainly is much more loaded or challenging in some ways, living as a, as a, a lay Buddhist. Now, I, I put on a caveat uh, uh, before I say anything, because I was actually never a lay Buddhist. My, my encounter with Buddhism was in a monastery. So I never actually tried to live with you know, hair and trousers. <coughs> as a Buddhist. Um, so uh, I don't really have, so seriously, I don't, I don't have that, that hands-on experience of trying to be in a relationship and try to, to practice a, a, a kind of meditative way of life. But there's a, a few things that, that, um, that help. The, the key tools are, um, w- what comes to mind is that of, of mindfulness. It's like training the mind to be um, as attentive to the flow of feelings and perceptions, both your own and those of people around you, and a mindfulness that's really like attuned to others, not just, I am being mindful, you know, like a kind of paying close attention to an individual object, but, uh, but more like a, a real attunement, like you're really wired in to the, the people and the things around you. So there's a real uh, like a capacity to harmonize with, with things. And then also the, um, the, what are called the, the precepts or the, the qualities of, of uh, restraint, um, kind of moral uh, guidelines. Because um, that goes a long way to, you know, you can't control the, the actions of other people, whether they, whether they speak in harsh ways or, or kind of um, difficult, use kind of challenging or difficult or abusive language or that they, um, they you know, have... Uh, ways of, of operating and engaging that are, are um, uh, very disturbing or, or kind of hard to work with, kind of that it's difficult to, to encompass. You can't control their behavior, but you can control your own. And, uh, and also, rather than trying to set others straight, then we, we, if we set ourselves straight in some ways, so that we take a, the precepts of, say, uh, not lying or using harsh or abusive speech, or not taking things that are not given to us, or, or not engaging in sexual misconduct, not using intoxicants, um, not taking the life of, of other living things, then uh, without being sort of moralistic or kind of waving your precepts in somebody else's face, if you just take that as your own standard, then that has a, a very clarifying effect on the environment in which you live. Even if the other other personal people that you're living with is putting out all kinds of other vibes. <laughs> the very fact that you're not going to tell a lie, you know, and you're not going to swear at anyone, um, and that that has its own way of, of setting a standard, or kind of clearing the air, and it creates more space for yourself. So even if someone is very reactive, they're very excited, or they're very angry, or they're that uh, you're able to say, okay, well, he's pretty wide today. <laughs> like, uh, but like, uh, the kids are upset. And, okay, well, okay, so how do we encompass that? So with mindfulness and the, and the precepts in particular, then that helps create more, in a way, more space in, in your life. And then, then that sense of, of okay, let's, let's, uh, let's see what we need here. 
so that you're, you have a bit more space so you can draw on your own wisdom and your own attunement. Uh, and that, just remembering that we always have more space than we, we think we do, is just and using the meditation to help help us to recollect that is really important, really helpful. Okay, so um, let's uh, change the the mode and move there for a, a bit, and we'll have the um, we'll move into the uh, uh, the lunchtime thing. Um, as I mentioned, uh, you know. Uh, uh, I have showed up uh, as we do on these days. I, uh, we come with our our uh, empty arms bowls, the, our begging bowls, and uh, uh, the. Uh, I, I often like to to stress that when Spirit Rock has on the announcement, please bring uh, some uh, bag lunch for yourself and something to offer to the monks. It's not because Spirit Rock is too stingy <laughs> to provide a sandwich for a couple of monks. So, <laughs> this is to. Uh, uh, <coughs> In a, in a ancient customs of as being Buddhist monastics, and I'm today with Tan uh, Hingsako and Anagarika Karl. He came along with me from Abayagiri. So we live on whatever is offered. So um, uh, for the last thirty years, I've only ever eaten food that's been given to me. So this is a donated body. <laughs> Three times over, they say all your cells are replaced seven years every. Uh, so four times over. <laughs> Seven fours are 28, right? So, so four times over, this is a donated body. So we, we live on whatever people give. So we just carry out these, these days in the same spirit. So there's also many, many people here today. So that um, uh, if we uh, waited for everybody who is uh, eager to um, or has uh, brought something to offer to, to line up and, and offer it to us, it might well be past the... the uh, the, the key moment of one, one o'clock. We have to finish eating by one. So perhaps um, if everybody wanted to, to queue up to do that, then it might take a, a little bit uh, more time than we really have. So maybe those who would really, really, really <laughs> like to make offerings directly to myself and to the other monastics, then please uh, feel free to, to gather your things and then line up in the middle, and then the rest can uh, just have uh, sympathetic joy for the <laughs> mudita for the act of offering for the others. And then... Welcome everyone to then join in with, uh, after we've given the blessing, chanted the blessing, we'll uh, invite everyone to join in with uh, the potluck, help yourself. I'm sure there's a great spread of good things that everyone has brought to share uh, on this day. And what I'd like to do as, a, as an exercise uh, on the theme of becoming, uh, you might notice that the, the tendency to become, the, the becoming urge, it gets stronger the, the, the more connected it is to the reptile brain. So the further into the to the limbic system you go, then the more intense the, and powerful the becoming urges. So when it's up in the sort of conceptual area, you know, we we can we can deal with it easily. Once it gets down to the nonverbal, you know, food, sex, violence, just the word you know, with nice Anglo-Saxon words, you know, <laughs> the uh, it, it gets uh, more uh, impactful. So around food, the the becoming urge can become very powerful. And oftentimes, it, uh, when the food is particularly attractive and delicious, uh, we've probably all had the experience of something being so amazing, so incredible, so fantastic, that you, you, you're barely conscious of having started, then you're staring at an empty plate. And you think, well, how did that happen? And we missed it the first time, so we think we have to go back and get seconds, because <laughs> it was so good. So 
um, what I would like to suggest is the radical concept of just eating one mouthful at a time. So just as with the, with the walking, just walking uh, uh, one footstep at a time, when you eat, um, whether you're using a fork or a spoon or just your hand, like when you take a mouthful of food, you don't have to eat in slow motion or chew everything a hundred times. Just eat like a normal human. <laughs> Pretend you're a normal human. <laughs> and then to eat, take a mouthful, and then put the utensil down. Put the spoon down or the fork down or the, the rest of the piece of broccoli or whatever. Uh, just put it down and then <gasps> eat the mouthful that you're eating. <laughs> and finish it before you start the next, before you get the next one lined up. <laughs> this is, you'll be surprised at how uh, it changes uh, the nature of eating. Also, what's curious is it actually makes the food more delicious. Not that we're doing it to, in order to make it more delicious. <laughs> but when you're actually there for each mouthful that you're eating and you're not, and you're not lining up the next one, sort of in the holding pattern, then what you find is that it's, you're, uh, you're, you're there for it in a way that uh, you're not usually uh, able to be when you've you're, you're kind of got the, the, next, the next mouthful ready or you're so excited about how wonderful it is that you're, you're missing the whole thing. So without further ado, uh, we'll position ourselves here. And uh, please, uh, those who are very keen to offer them, please get yourselves ready.